Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Imran. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Ed. Yeah, we've got three of us today. Yeah. That was the second time we did that. We're not very good at these three people <laughs> pods. But hopefully there'll be a constant going forward. Um, yeah, so yeah, we've got three of us. We're recording on Tuesday night. Uh, so a bit removed from the Arsenal game, but there's lots of stuff going on in the world of Manchester United. Uh, not all of it good. In fact, none of it good. Uh, so we'll... Uh, We'll cross off every... Yeah. Well, actually, no, Eric Bailly's gone, so, you know, there, there, there is some good in the world. Um, silver lining. There's silver linings in the form of no Eric Bailly, but uh, we'll uh, we'll cover it all uh, on this pod. Um, I think probably the best place to start, though, will be the football, because there will be talk of things that aren't football in this pod, but we'll start with football, and we'll talk with about the Arsenal loss, which was a 2-1 loss. Well, sorry, 3-1 loss. 3-1 I say loss. 2-1. I say to one, I've not actually seen the third goal yet. I've, I've not seen the third goal because my Uber Eats delivery came at the time <laughs> the third goal was scored. And I thought, I don't really need to see this goal. No, so just I, sort of picture the first goal against uh, Forrest. It's basically the same. I don't, yep. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't need to see it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, 3-1, it was a very disappointing day at the end of it. Last pod, I said I didn't want to get thrashed and we didn't get thrashed, but... No, the way the all. game turned out, it ended up being more disappointing than maybe if we had got thrashed. Ed, your initial thoughts after the game, and how badly did you take that loss? Oh, I mean, I'm these days I'm really apathetic about it because we've just been so shit for so long. It's hard to get upset anymore. Uh, I thought we played well for most of it, really. Um, Arsenal didn't seem interested in pressing us all that much. Yeah, I think, you know. I expected to lose in a sense. I was positive going into the game, but I did expect to lose. And then it just happened, didn't it? And you can't really... We gave a good account of ourselves, I think. And that's all that I sort of wanted. I think it was more the manner of the fact that you thought we'd won it. I'm always streaming, so I'm behind. Yeah, well, yeah, you've got that benefit. We all thought we'd won it with just going into injury time um, and for that goal to be taken away. And then after that, you kind of just knew, okay, Arsenal are probably going to win this game now. Yeah. Um, Jamie, I know you were celebrating that goal like mad. So how how did how did you feel at the end of it? I was gutted at the end of it, but uh, I must have Stockholm syndrome or something because I've went past the apathetic stage of now, and I'm like, I actually genuinely thought as bad as the first half, first thirty minutes, apart from the goal was. I thought we were much better second half, especially when uh, Hoyland came on. Mm-hmm. I thought there was far more of a threat. I thought literally just having a presence up front just disrupted the other team so much 
and provided an actual challenge that uh, the first time it happened, there wasn't somebody within 20 yards of Hoyland, but then every other player must have realised, holy shit, we actually have somebody up front now who can hold the ball up. Because the very next attack, Hoyland doesn't quite win the ball, but he bullies Gabriel into making a mistake, and there's five players advancing. Next attack, same thing happens. So even though we lost, I actually kind of came away thinking, I feel far more positive about us than I did against than I did after the win against Wolves. I genuinely thought after the Wolves victory, there was far more problems than there was after this game. I was gutted the way we lost it. Don't get me wrong, but moving forward, I'm not actually as worried. It's a good way to look at it. Um, I like you got you losses don't usually affect me these days, but that one did. I think it was more the the what could have been. Uh, I think yeah. I'd have been a lot. I'd have taken it a lot better if they had got that that penalty and then just got on to win two one three one that way. It probably mm, would have yeah, yeah would have sat with me a lot better than the way it ended up being. Uh, but yeah, we'll go to that first half, which it was a weird game in the sense that it was a, a fairly gripping and entertaining game, but not a lot actually happened in terms of goal mouth action. Um, I think all teams really pretty much both of us all really scored with our chances, apart from Saka had one chance. But other than that, everyone we. Most the big chances all went in the net, mm. um, and we scored the first one after. I mean, like you said, we played a lot around at the back. Anana had so many touches of the ball, so many passes, and Arsenal decided we're just going to let him play because we, if we press him, he's just going to pass it around us. So they let us play. They didn't really do much either, and that could be testament to our defence and our midfield actually looking like a decent midfield. I didn't think either team really won the midfield battle as such. Mm. Um, but again, not a lot really happened until we scored and it was a really good goal from us. Uh, Ericsson, who I thought had a really good game, uh, playing through Rashford, who did things that only really Rashford does in our team. Ed, I mean, Rashford wasn't great, but with that goal, he kind of shows you what he brings to the team, really. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've got a bet on with a mate um, that he'll score 25 goals in all comps this season. So I'm backing him. I think he'll, he'll have a good season, if I'm honest. Uh, yeah, he's he's a really funny player because he'll you'll he'll miss like three easy chances in a row and he'll just do that, and it's like, well, what are you doing? But you know, it's great to have him in the team and mm. yeah, fantastic. He is. I mean, he's to me the only player I see who can really do that. Like draw two defenders, fake a shot, and then just blast it into the top corner. Mm. Um, Jamie Ericsson's part in the goal was key as well. I know you were positive, big on Ericsson's performance in the game. Yeah, yeah, I thought he was really good. Uh, apart from. The well, we'll get to that Arsenal second goal, goal but, but, um, but I thought genuinely, yeah, I thought he played really well, and you can tell Casemiro likes having him there, yeah. likes just having an extra guy that can pass the ball, receive the ball, get his foot on the ball, and the part the pass was excellent. It was just such a great way to pass in behind the Arsenal defender that Rashford doesn't even need to break strike to actually get onto it, um, and then it's an excellent finish from Rashford, but. It just highlights, like, I know the first, whatever it was, two or three games, we're trying to make a difference to how we're playing and the personnel that's in the midfield, but it just goes to show, like, still just having somebody next to Casemiro in the other midfield position who can be comfortable both receiving and passing the ball, regardless of legs, is a massive difference to the team, Mm. especially in that transition, like, it's an Arsenal mistake, but how quickly we recover it, get forward, one pass in, 
And Ericsson's one of the few players, I, I genuinely think he's one of the few players on the team that can pass the ball like that. I mean, yeah, Bruno yeah. tries loads of times, whereas Ericsson strikes me as the type of guy who won't try it loads of times, but on the one or two that he does it, it'll come off and it'll mm. be the perfect way in behind the defender. And that, I think the, di- the difference is Bruno's always trying to just move it on, whereas yeah, Ericsson yeah. will Where sort of lift his, his head. Time. He takes yeah. his time and picks the pass rather than sometimes try to force yeah. the issue. And yeah, I mean, you just wish he could last 90 minutes in every game and actually be able to move about the pitch because sometimes he does look a bit lethargic, I'll say, but having him available and even being able to play 15, 20 games this season is going to be pretty big for us. Yeah, and I think it just shows a midfielder doing midfieldery things is always quite good. I mean, it gives us two people for our defence to pass to for the start. It's not just Casemiro trying to get the ball off the defence. It's Eriksen dropping back there as well. And I think, I mean, obviously we're trying to play with Mount as as another... Eight in there with Bruno, um, kind of mimicking what Arsenal are doing with Havertz and Odegaard. But I think the key difference is obviously we saw in that game, Zinchenko is actually just running running around as a defensive midfielder from left back going into right defensive midfield. And our fullbacks either, I mean, Wan-Bissaka and Della probably aren't good enough to do that on the ball. And the only one who really is is Luke Shaw. And for some reason, we're not, Luke Shaw's not been that, that inverted left back for us coming inside. So I think if we're going to maintain... Can I make a point to that? Yeah. Because I, I thought about that and... So, because we're playing Wan Bissaka, it's almost as if he's saying to Wan Bissaka, "I need you to fill in the gap of the three and look Shaw push like it's not going to be happening now for a couple of months." But he's telling Shaw to push up the line. I think if he'd have bought Pavard, that wouldn't be the. It wouldn't be telling Shaw to push up the line. It would be a more fluid thing, where you have say when everyone's fit. Varane and Martinez, two centre-halves. But when we then go into possession, it's measuring the transition as in, do you go up the left, do you go up the right? And you're having more fluid players, both at left and right back. One who can push up one flank to support wherever the attack's going. And that other player moves into the third centre-back position Mm. to allow you to kind of boss the ball. That's exactly what it looks like we're trying to do. And... As much as Wambasaka has improved massively and does at the moment deserve his place in the team, I still don't think he's he's not the player that I think Ten Hag wants to be in that what? position to come in and just instead of having just two centre halves, you have the two centre halves and the two full backs, but both full backs then able to come in and form the three. So that then when Casemiro say pushes forward and then if it's Mount or if it's Ka- if it's uh, Ericsson or if it's Amrabat, you've then got multiple players that can all take possession of the ball, whether mm. that's from Anana, if it's from any one of the centre halves. And I just think at the moment we don't have that at right back. So whenever whoever it is at left back is constantly being told, overload the left. And it's mm. just and, and that means every attack's down the left. Barely anything's going up the right. Well, I mean, that's also because our left winger is much better than our right winger. Well, uh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that that might that would have some effect, even 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 if our left winger has not been hitting the highs of last season, he's obviously still a, still a better player. Although I didn't think Anthony had a terrible game against Arsenal, but it's it's his usual stint of working really hard, and then his main problem is he just can't do two good things in a row. So he can gr- mm. take great control on his knee, and then he'll give it away, or he'll do a nice bit of skill, and then he'll shoot into a man, or. He's just too, too, doing two good things in a row is seemingly beyond him, but 
I mean, we'll it talk seems to take ages to turn as well. Well, there's that as well. I noticed that against oh. Arsenal, like the most, loads of times he gets the ball, and he takes two or three seconds. Like he literally turns on the ball mm. to kind of look around. <sighs> For eighty million, eighty-five million, and want you, you're wanting a player to kind of be able, as you said, like take the ball in possession and then have one look and kind of just be aware of where everyone is to know if he's going to go up the side, if he's going to play in the midfield. Well, that's he, his decision-making is terrible. He didn't know what he's going to do when yeah, he, has, he exactly, didn't go yeah. in any given right. time. Um, unfortunately, we did concede straight after we scored. Um, a wonderful trait of ours. Um, it was, I mean, to be fair, I thought it was a very good goal from Arsenal. Uh, and for yeah. as much as you say, we switch off and we're not doing great defensively. I thought it was a really good move and it was a really good finish from Odegaard. And yes, Ericsson should probably track him and be close to him, but it's a really good drag back from Martinelli who Mart- I thought had a good Nelly, game apart yeah. from his corners um, and it's a really good finish yeah, it was, that was such an excellent pass actually yeah, I, when, I, cool. when I watched it back the other day um, it was just it caught everyone off guard to be quite honest mm. no, it was a really good goal and sometimes I, I mean yeah obviously with most goals you can defend them better but then if, if it's a good goal sometimes you hold down and say that yeah it's a good move good, good goal yeah. fair enough yeah. uh, and then the second half and then the first half kind of played out not much happened in the second half, and then that's where all the incidents came. So the first one was a penalty given to Arsenal, which was overturned by VAR. Uh, some people are saying surprisingly. I wasn't surprised because, and, and you'll see, like I've heard, um, I was listening to a couple of podcasts today, and they said how it's not a clear and obvious error, but it is a clear and obvious error because the refer- what the referee thinks happened isn't what happened, thus it's an obvious error. The referee yeah. has said to his official, I think Wamsaka stepped across him and tripped him up. When actually that's not happened, Wamsaka's stepped across and pulled his leg back, and then there's been contact from the pullback, which has obviously been initiated by uh, Havertz, who is dreadful, by the way. Um, so uh, clear dive and a good decision for me. It's a bit surprised maybe that VAR did something useful, but I mean that's what VAR's there for, and you can't be. You've got to be. Well, it's doing what it should do. Really. Yeah. That's what it should be doing, not the rest and, of it. And really. the sad thing so. about that is, if he stays on his feet, he goes through and has a shot. So. Mm. Yeah, that that that's what didn't make sense to me. Like, just run through and hit the top. Like, you have a shot at the goal. You have to and remember then, who it is, though. Well, yeah, but but he does <laughs> he does the Jamie Vardy thing, doesn't he? Where he runs through, go starts going down, flicks a leg out, buys the penalty initially, and then as soon as you see the replay, you're just that's, that's never a penalty. Yeah. That. But I did think he could have easily ran through both Wan-Bissaka and Casemiro and had a shot, but. Yeah, great decision. In yeah, the end. he's terrible. He had an air shot earlier in the game as well. Didn't he did. He? he should have scored oh, that yeah, as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was yeah. a good. Then Ma- Martinez got his foot in, and uh, so at that point, still one all, and we bring Hoyland on, and he looked quite impressive, as Jamie said. Uh, signs of encouragement, definitely strong, doing actual forward things, which Martial just isn't doing at the moment. Martial looking like a forty-year-old veteran striker who's been playing a thousand games every year. And he's actually just a man who's injured all the time and barely plays football. But yeah, looking absolutely past it. Unfortunately, our first centre-back goes off injured, which is... Was it Martinez first? It was Martinez first, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Martinez Martinez first. first, And Harry Maguire came on. Big Harry. And our second centre-back, Lindelof, was ill, apparently, or feeling sick. And then Johnny Evans came on. And there was a good quote from uh, Jonathan Wilson today, which says, when you're... If you're lining up, how you end up lining up Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans, and it's not Wes Morgan's uh, testimonial. So, um, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, that's I don't know what you can what what can you say about that, Jamie? Like, what can you say about having Maguire and Evans as your centre backs at the end of a game, a massive game against Arsenal as well? I mean, 
I've seen weirdly. I've, I've kind of listened to a couple of podcasts from a few of the reviews of the weekend, and I, and I've kind of heard like saying almost having digs at the manager for that, and I'm like, what can he do? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he, he's he's literally trying to get rid of Maguire. He signed Johnny Evans literally on the last day because they couldn't get anybody else in. And he's good as a six choice centre half because he is literally six choice. He's actually but, yeah, he's six choice yeah, well, six choice centre half. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so he's come on and and Jonathan Wilson's right, like you know what I mean? It's it's ridiculous for Man United to be ending a game in twenty twenty three and that's the two centre halves. But it's it's both really, really unlucky with injuries. I mean, Martinez went off because he actually filled the Arsenal player. So the Arsenal player was running through and he just I think he just boots in Ketia. And more or less straight after that, he goes off with an injury to his foot. Lindelof must have been ill because just before he went off, he was literally doubled over how I normally am at five aside, as if he literally <laughs> could not breathe. And so as soon as I kind of saw that, I thought, right, well, he's off as well. But th- that's just down to the club again. It's just down to just shit recruitment where it was obvious we needed another centre-half we want is rid of Maguire. We haven't done either, and it's came home to roost more or less mm. straight away as soon as the transfer window shuts. And it's yeah. just not it's not it's not good enough at all from a recruitment point of view. Yeah, I mean in defence of the club a little bit and I'm loath to do it, Maguire we did actually obviously accept that bid from West Ham for Maguire. Yeah. It was him who didn't want to go because of the payoff. And I, I I understand the club not wanting to give him his full payoff because it sets a bad precedent for people in the future who we would have to pay off or not pay off. But it is still annoying that Maguire is still at the club and still taking part in these games. But that's that's life. And mm-hmm. it's also annoying the club has no money and we can't buy anyone. So that's kind of why Evans is there. Especially when he's cheered on by the Arsenal fans, which if you're an opposition player getting cheered on by the home fans, that tells you everything you need to know. Well... I imagine we'll see more of Maguire than we probably wanted to, but that's just, you know, that's how it is. And it's it's really unlucky, and it's just adding to the many, the many, many things going on at the club at the moment. Um, we did have our own penalty shout, which was Hoyland going through and sort of getting a bit of a wrestling match with, I want to say, Gabriel. It was Gabriel, wasn't it? It was Gabriel. Um, it was Gabriel. What do you make of that incident, Ed? It's penalty 100%. It's not, it wasn't even a wrestling match. It was just Gabriel wrestling him to ground. That's that's what makes it a penalty for me. If there was if there was six of one, half a dozen of the other, I'd say yeah, perhaps perhaps you can let that one go. But it is literally just Gabriel wrestling Hoyland to the ground, so I don't see how that wasn't. I think it probably even. is a penalty, but you never get you get it out of the box, you don't get it in the box, which makes no sense. Uh, but obviously that's no, how yeah. the world works with fouls. Usually things you get in the box, things you get out of the box. Hundred percent, you get that outside of the box. If that's if he's running in from the byline and that happens, you get you get a free kick. If you're running in the box, you don't get a penalty, and that's just. But if it if it's the other way, if it's the other way, they get a free kick. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, well, yeah, yeah. No, you, that's what I'm saying. You can get a free kick for it, but you can't get a penalty for it. I think if 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 no, it but, happened in our box and Martinez did the same thing, I don't think they would get a penalty either. Yeah, no, no, no. But it, it say, but say if Hoyland had wrestled him to the ground, he'd well, get yeah, he get a free kick because you and or yeah, it happened anywhere we, else, you get a free it kick. Sense. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, but that's just how football works, and that's how football's worked for eternity. Things can be things yeah, are free kicks, but not penalties yeah. for some reason. Who knows? Uh, it was weird how it didn't really get any any focus on. It wasn't even a replay. I'm kind of just looking at angles after the game to see whether it, there was anything in it or not. Um, and then obviously there was the offside goal. Um, Ganacho <laughs> running through. Uh, and Gabriel again, just stepping up just yeah. in time, just to make him offside. 
it was a great finish from Ganacho, to be fair, that. and I probably was a bit harsh. I, I, initially, my thought was he could have been onside. He should have been onside because he had, he was running through the middle and he was basically free. But it, Gabriel does step up at the last moment and he is checking his running. Casemiro probably delays a pass a little longer than he thought. Um, Jamie, your your take on the whole incident? I think me and you are going to disagree here because I, I don't know how he isn't onside because there's. No. There's the angle which they draw the lines, and then there's the other angle where you see his shoulder, like Gabriel's shoulder, isn't even the part of his body that's the furthest back. The furthest back's his head. So Please. that's the first point, is they've, they've measured it from the shoulder when it should have been the head. And then when you do it from the head, because I, I can't remember if it was um, Andy Goldstein or somebody like that retweeted it on... Twitter yesterday, if you draw the line from the head across, Garnacho's onside. The only part of him that's offside is the arm, and you can't score with the arm. So even if you were going off of his arms offside, well, that doesn't make sense either because you can't score with your arm. I w- so he must be onside. I mean, I personally wouldn't trust anything Andy Goldstein puts on, on a <laughs> in offside lines. Personally, <laughs> I, 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 when I first saw it, I thought he was offside. He looked offside to me on the angle. Um, looked like his foot had just gone. I wasn't surprised when it was given offside after that. Um, ultimately, with this, uh, you kind of have to trust the technology. It's all mapped out to the pitch. Um, mm. Whatever angle, camera angle, it doesn't really matter because it's all mapped out to the pitch when they put the lines down. Obviously, it matters where they draw the lines from, whether it's the foot, shoulder, head, whatever. Yeah. But usually what they do is they do pick a couple. Of, they, 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 they'll do the head first and they'll do the shoulder and see which is furthest forward or backwards. So you've kind of got to trust the technology on that one, and I kind of do. There is a whole debate of whether such marginal offsides should be a thing, and we've had that discussion before, yeah. and yeah. whether it's in the spirit of the That's game. That's I, 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 I personally say no. Like, I, I don't think, you know, when the offside rule it was, was created, it was to gain a clear advantage. That's kind of not going to be the case now with VAR, and that's why it's going to be even... And the thing is, once the automated offsides comes in, it's going to be even more tighter than... Than see, that, so. But uh, you see, this my, my problem is it it penalises fast players because if you, if you're a fast player and you've got like a toe offside, you know what 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 difference is that actually making? What what advantage is that giving you? It, it's it's not. It's it's minimal at best. So like, if you're a fast player, you're getting through on goal. You're going to be found offside. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree. I think the offside rule was made for a time where people were looking with their eyes and not with machines, and they maybe have to revisit that. Mm. Maybe whether they do or not is a different thing. But I do think he was offside at the end of the day. You kind of have to rely on the technology yeah. being what it is, and they've, they've mapped out these pictures mm. and they do it. And it's the same for everyone, ultimately. Like These are the same lines, same at angle, same pictures for everyone. So offside, just disappointing. And from that point on, I thought, we're definitely going to lose this because one thing United <laughs> can't seem to do is wrestle narratives from games. If the narrative is going one way, we'd mm. never be able to seem to capture it back, especially in second halves of games. Um, and it felt like we put a lot of emotion into that celebration. And after that, I felt like yeah. we, we've setting ourselves up here. And the corner comes in. Paul, I mean, we've left, we left Rice back unmarked a few times, actually, at corners, which I didn't get um, at all. Yeah. I can't understand why you'd leave Declan well, Rice free. I w- Go on. I was watching match of the day just before we came on, and they were they were having three men on the back post all game, and we yeah, weren't, we weren't doing, doing anything about it. it. We are terrible at any corners. Uh, every single 
week you'll watch us and someone will get a free header from a corner or a free kick because that is we are absolutely dreadful at defending goals and we're not the biggest team in the world um no actually bringing hoyland and Maguire and evans on actually made a difference to our high but actually did made zero difference to our defending quality luckily martinelli was taking the worst corners i've ever seen for an entire game so most of their corners didn't matter but we need to start out this defending of set pieces. It's really bad. We conceded a terrible one at Forest. Conceded that one yesterday, and I, I believe I think last season we were one of the highest teams for conceding from set pieces and one of the lowest from scoring from set pieces. So that stuff like that has to change. But um, yeah, Rice ball comes down to Rice. He slots it in. Evans and Maguire want a free kick. I don't think it's a free kick. I think there's a bit of argy bargy going on. Yeah, I, I think do as well. Yeah. I do think Gabriel's. It's always Gabriel, isn't it? Um, I think Gabriel's yeah. got more of a hold on Evans than Evans does, but Evans has got a hold of him as well. Well, I, th- I think if if the ref were to go back and look at that, Gabriel is holding Evans until Evans decides he wants to try and challenge for the ball, and then he literally throws it a Gabriel to the ground. And I think if the pen- if the um, ref were to look at that, he, he might even give a penalty. Or, I don't think he would. Again, one, generally with these VAR things, when two people have their hands on each other, they cancel yeah. each other out. Um, mm. So I was more annoyed at McGuire. Yeah, I, I would be more annoyed about McGuire yeah, not running out and just trying to challenge yeah. for that. Yeah, um, yeah. He's more interested in exactly. for the free, yeah. uh, like, free like, kick. If he just runs flat out at Rice because he's not standing on anyone, there's nobody holding him. Instead no. of appealing, if he just ran in a straight yeah. line towards Rice, nothing happened. You literally block the ball and it goes, it goes wherever. It, it doesn't even have to block the goal, it, it, but the ball, he just has to close the angle. Yeah, just close, and, close and the I think if, run, if that's Martinez in that situation, he's right out there and he's throwing himself at that. Um, yeah. Word on Anana, I'm not going to be too harsh on him because that is a difficult save. Yes, I feel like when people say, yeah, De Gea would save that, De Gea might would Mel save that back in 2016 when he was at the peak of his powers and he was lit- literally the best goal, shot stopper in the entire world. So I'm not going to really hold an hand to that standard of being the best shopper in the entire world. It's a very difficult save to make. Some keepers might save it. Luckily, pan it, it to the post. Nick but... Evans on the way in. It's, it, how close Evans is in yeah. that Nick I've, 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 for him. The thing, I think it's... in his pomp, we've seen De Gea save deflected shots oh, yeah, really close to him in his it. pomp. But again, we are literally talking about when De Gea was the world's best shot stopper. So yeah, when he was the best, yeah. a bit of a ridiculous... I mean, I'm, and like one of the best shot stoppers I think I've ever seen in my life however, eight years ago, however it was. Yeah. yeah it's it's it was. a different standard, and I'm not going to be too harsh on Anana for that. Uh, to be honest, I reckon that beats most it, keepers it does, in the league. It does. 100%, 100% yeah. beats most keepers in the league. That's what I'm saying. So that the standard, I think, is fine. Um, you might see some keepers. And if a keeper does save it, it's because he's palmed it onto the post, probably. It's probably on the inside of the post and then had a bit of a ricochet and stayed out just. But it's, it's not a save that you would expect to make, I don't think. Um, and that was the game, really. So... We've covered all the key incidents. After the game, Ten Hag, very critical of the officials to a point where I don't think we've seen him before be that critical and say, like, listing off a bunch of different incidents that he felt like going Personally, to me, that looked to me like a man who was feeling a bit of pressure and just a bit annoyed by everything, not just the not just the game, but like everything that's going on at the club. The fact that he probably hadn't had the window that he wanted. Uh, in terms of being backed uh, after his first three signings. Um, obviously, the budget was very tight after that and we were floundering around trying to get rid of players to bring other players in, etc. Um, there's the stuff going on with Sancho, which we'll talk about soon. Uh, obviously, there's the Mason Greenwood stuff. He probably thought we were keeping Greenwood. 
that's not the case. Greenwood's gone. I think a lot of things are going on. All the injuries as well. The fact that he, like you said, he had to finish the game with Evans and Maguire because, I mean, which is crazy. I feel like he's a man who had a lot of things get to him. Uh, I don't know if anyone agrees with that, Ed. Uh, I'm not, it's not something I thought about previously, but I think there might be something in that. Certainly his reaction, reaction is usually quite yeah. calm. Um, it certainly was last season, wasn't he, when he was going over to Roy Keane and having a quick chat before he went down the tunnel and stuff. So, yeah, no, I think I think you might be onto something there. It's something to watch uh, going yeah, forward. He's not, he's not, he, he will often like criticise the decision of a ref and maybe say, oh, we should have had a penalty for that. But he won't go as hard as he did at that game, especially for something like the offside, which, you know, when you're arguing mm. with technology, it doesn't, it's not a, I mean, I, I get people listening to this thing and it was onside and that's fine, but it's hard to argue with technology, especially when you're in the game. No, so I, I, it's, yeah, I don't know. Jamie, what do you, do, you, do you think he's got a point or do you think he's just letting his frustrations out? I think it's a combination of, yeah, I think he feels under pressure. I think I think you're right about Greenwood. I think he banked on having him back. Uh, suddenly, that's not an option. And then he's relying on what he already has. Uh, from the right-hand side. I think the window was underwhelming. I think he wanted players in a lot sooner than he got them, say the likes of Amrabat and things like that. Um, the situations, not just with Greenwood, but the one now emerging with Anthony, the thing with Sancho, the injuries that are piling up, I just think that's all a lot of pressure. But I also think part of me is a bit like, maybe he's looking at the likes of Arteta, Klopp, Pep. Yeah. All these other managers who seem to get away with murder when decisions don't go their way, and it can be the most trivial, ridiculous things, but they will go straight into press conferences and go nuts about refereeing decisions. And all that does, I mean, we've seen it with Fergie like, years ago. All you're doing is just putting a little bit of doubt into the referee's mind the next time. So I don't. I, I think it's a combination of both. I think he absolutely is feeling the pressure, but I also think he's maybe just with some of the decisions that have happened in the last few weeks, with some of the calls we've already not had and had against us. I just. I. I wonder if he's changing tact a little bit, in the sense that I, if something goes against us now, he's not going to be as relaxed about it. No, I do agree with that to an extent because, like you know, you get Klopp two weeks before a game against us, he'll talk about ref decisions in yeah. our games and, and all of a sudden we're not getting anything. And yeah, perhaps, you know, making the refs think about what they give us is maybe a good thing going forwards. Yeah, it's fair. It's a fair point. Um, we're going to take a quick break now. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk, well, more fallout and what's going on with Sancho. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome back. So, yeah, big talking point at the end of this game was a comment that Eric Ten Hag made about Sancho's exclusion. He basically said that he didn't train well this week and he wasn't up to the standard that he expected Man United and therefore he wasn't in the squad. You could argue it's something that he doesn't have to say outwardly, but I would also say it's not the harshest thing anyone's ever said about a player I've ever heard in my life, to be honest with you. Um, Sancho obviously then fired back on, was it Instagram or Twitter? One of the two. Who cares? They're all the same. Some, uh, socials. socials yeah. um, basically said that he feels like he's a scapegoat and he's training well to give it all for the badge. And at that point, so it's difficult because obviously you had the situation recently with Deli Ali and his mental struggles and you don't want to be going two foot in on a play when you don't really know what's going on. But what I would say about this is Sancho, we've given him a lot of leeway with his mate. I mean, we let him literally go on a holiday or training camp somewhere else by himself to get his head right. And we've um, given him a lot of opportunities, uh, given him time. And with this, again, I don't think it's the harshest. I mean, yeah, you could argue keep these these things no. in house, but I don't think it's the harshest comment in the world. And if you if, if you manage to say that about you, just train well for the week and get back into the team. Don't go yeah. whinge about it. No, it's as simple as that, really. I mean, I'm not going to comment on how he trains because I don't get to see it. But I see how he plays in the games. And most yeah. times it is lazy, you know, n- not never all that in- interested, not very intense. And if that's how he is in training, I can totally understand why Eric Ten Hag's saying that, you know. And if it were me, I'd be like, well, I guess I need to prove him wrong then. If he's, if he's saying that about me publicly then I'm going to train extra hard hard next week. I'm going to, you know, do my best in the next game and I'm going to prove him wrong. And certainly spitting your dummy out on social media, and I appreciate he's got men- had mental issues. It just, I don't think it's good for him, his relationship with Niger or his relationship with his teammates. He's also got previous for it as well. Because he's, he's yeah, he's been fined at Dortmund. I think it was about 80 grand because he was turning up late for training and his attitude in training was really poor. The reason he was dropped from England is because Southgate didn't like his attitude. So when he would tell Sancho, say, for the upcoming qualifiers, whenever it was, he was going to be part of, say, the squad players who were going to be substitutes. He wasn't going to be guys, he wasn't going to be in the group that were definitely going to be in the starting eleven. He would start sulking, he would start having a negative influence on the camp, which is ultimately why he was stopped called off for there. He had issues under Solskjaer, supposedly. I read that today as well, where it was just negative influences around the training because he wasn't turning up on time and he wasn't bringing the correct attitude. As Imran's already said, he had all the time last year. It's almost as if Ten Hag's tried the carrot approach. Mm. It's not worked. And even this, this isn't, as we've already kind of all said, it's not overly harsh. All he was asked in the press conference was, why is Sancho not playing? And instead of just not saying something like, he's carrying a knock, this, that and the other, he's just being honest and just said he's not being good enough in training. And, and you, need, you, need, you need to reach, the, reach that standard all the time. And for the player to fire back like that is just, it's so petty, it's unbelievable. And the thing is with Ten Hag, I mean, we've seen him, he's, he's, he dropped Rashford to the bench one one week for, what was it, turning up late, and he yeah. said, he said, put, he said that's so, why yeah. he, turned, he turned up late. He, Ganacho, that was that, was that stuff on tour, uh, and I think him and Bruno yeah. both mentioned that as well, as 
things that Ganacho wasn't doing right. And I don't remember either Rashford or Ganacho biting back and saying, I'm. So, I mean, nope. I, I, I just don't see how going on social media and fighting your corner helps in that situation. Just get your head down, work hard. Even even if you think you've been had the best week in training, just go work hard, do it, do it again, do it, work even harder than you did last week yeah. and just get back into the team. It's just another, and now it's become another issue among the many other issues that are going on in the club and it's just, we, we don't really need it. And I'll, I mean, apparently there's some clear the air talks going to happen. So we'll see where that goes. But I mean, those clear the air talks should <laughs> just be I mean, Sancho that's... going in and saying, I was a fucking idiot for doing that. Sorry, find me two weeks wages and I'll get back on with it. It's not even necessary. Like, yeah, it isn't. Just, just fucking get your head down and work. Yeah. It's not difficult. Like, uh, and it, it's happened to bigger players. Fergie said after, when he didn't start against Real Madrid that if 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 Rooney were were at it, it when Rooney didn't start against Real Madrid, that is, if Rooney were at it, it'd have started. Yeah. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's a comment Simple that manager that. made for God knows how long. So just yeah, you got to get on with it. So we'll see what happens with that situation. Another situation going on is obviously the Anthony situation. We've touched upon it lightly. We won't, we won't really discuss it because there's not too much to discuss at the moment, but um, you've probably heard, and if you haven't, Anthony has been, um, well, accused by his former partner of assault, basically, uh, and it's an investigation going on in Brazil, and he's currently been dropped from the Brazil team. There are pressure on you. There is pressure coming from some of United to drop him too, but that's a club decision, and We'll see what happens there. There's not really much for us to discuss at the moment because we don't know the facts of the case or whatever. Um, just as anyone would say, it's a, just un- upsetting that these things keep seeming to happen and keep coming yeah. out about footballers, but that's uh, that's just how it is. Um, and while we're on the loosely subject, Greenwood has, Mason Greenwood has now gone to Katafe. Um, we'll see how he does there. He's still under contract at the club. It'll be interesting to see the reception he gets in Katafe. Apparently, there's not been much of negativity in that play over there, and the Qatafi fans are pretty happy to have a player of his quality there. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, as we said, uh, two weeks it's ago, me and Nick, we discussed the Greenwood situation in depth, so you can go back and listen to that. Um, the other big piece of news is that the Glazers are heavily rumoured to have taken United off the market. Um, this comes after, I think, well... There's been lots of rumours about it and there was something on Yahoo today about them even trying to go private or something. I don't really know what it means. But basically all indications uh, seem to point towards them taking United off the market and looking to sell again in 2025 where they want £10 billion. These people are not serious and are absolutely mental if they think they can get £10 billion for a club that basically can't spend any money for FFP, isn't successful and... I mean, I don't understand if if we if they if they're scrounging for five billion now. I, I don't see how we're going to double that value in in no. five in two years' well, time. It's mental, especially when you think Eric Ten Hag is going to magic some trophies from somewhere without having any sort of real backing in the mar- in the windows. Like what are they? What, so, like what are they still here for? Like I've read and heard countless times on whether it's Talk of the Devils or from other Man United fans that supposedly. Joel Glazer especially loves being the owner of Man United. Why? We're not competing for any top trophies. The fans absolutely despise them. Whenever there's kind of rumours like this that they're going to stay, the value plummets. This is I, I kind of read that today. I think I was from Financial Times that today is the largest amount 
that the value has dropped in one day in 11 years. Like, I don't understand what, like, what, what the appeal is right now for them to be staying. Like, as we said, the, the FFP issues, we can't sell any players. We literally can't do it. So that means the manager is going to have absolutely nothing to spend again next year unless we somehow manage to flog three or four players for thirty million apiece. I I just don't understand like why why they think we can get more money in two years time. That that's that's mental. They're just motivated by greed, and ultimately they can't even take dividends out of the club at the moment. So I don't even know, they're not even in for dividends because currently there's not they haven't had any for yeah. two years because they've just not been able to because well we've got no money. Um, the it's just greed. It's all motivated by greed. They want more money. They want more for the cat. And I, I just don't see how they're going to get anywhere near ten billion. Nowhere no, near. So not. that'll be a interesting situation to see how that plays out. We'll take another quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the transfers. We had a busy deadline day, so we'll get into the transfers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome back. Uh, so, yeah, tre- deadline day came and we saw four, well, I'll say four incomings. One was Johnny Evans, who was kind of already here, but we signed Johnny Evans. We saw, signed the Turkish keeper, whose name I'm still not going to pronounce because I don't want to get that wrong until I hear a commentator say it. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll stay away from that one. Um we signed Regulon on loan from Spurs and Amrabat on loan from Fiorentina. And actually what turned out to be a, a de- <laughs> because of FFP limitations, actually turned yeah. out to be a decent deal for us somehow. Um, yeah. We were obviously, there was rumours at the beginning of the window, from, I think in the Athletic that we only had £100 million to spend this window. I think our net has turned out to be about 110 So it wasn't far off the mark. Um, the FFP restrictions really are housed around the neck. Um, I, I believe, and I don't know if this is true. It's can the owners inject some money to help Nine, ninety million? Yeah, so that's each never, that, owner. That, that's never going to happen. Each uh, owner can do that to help us out, and they were just never going to do that. Never ever in a million years, unless it was a loan that was leveraged against club, and we would have to. Uh, what, <laughs> yeah, yeah, pay that off. What's their net worth though? Like, not a lot. Cut. Not, not like not compared to like so like Abramovich had billions in loans to Chelsea that he just wrote off. Yeah. So no, if Glazers are going to put money into the club, it's going to be through loans. It's not going to be through. They've never put. They're never going to put anything from their own pocket, and they never. They, no. Again, more loans. They can't really do more loans now because of the club being on sale. They might have done it if 
they weren't on sale. Mm. But again, it's more loans. Who wants more loans? I'd, ra- I'd honestly rather be restricted by FFP than have more loans taken out against the club. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Rather that than more debt. But we'll they're probably get into more debt sooner rather than later anyway, if they're sticking around. They've still got that uh, credit facility that they're paying off as well. Yeah. Um, so quite quite depressing. Um, but the Amrabat deal, so it was te- a £10 million loan fee to Fiorentina. Um or 10 million euro loan fee. And then if we want to keep him, we pay another 20. Uh, so it's around, they, they valued him at 30 and we'll pay around 30 with five add-ons. So it's kind of, and it's an option as well. It's not an obligation. So actually, if it turns out he's not great, we don't have to keep him around. So actually it kind of works out to be a decent deal for us. Um, and if everyone's wondering, he's not free next year. He has got an extension, which Florentina can just whack on if they need to. So it's, it's not like he'd be free next year anyway. So Amrabat's in, Jamie. I know you were keen on getting him in. Uh, now he's in. Are you, are you very happy? Yeah, very, very happy. I thought he would have been in a while ago, to be honest. But again, as we kind of saw, especially the last, I don't know, four weeks of the window, we were really, really toiling with the FFP restrictions. But I just think if you were to look at the team, where where is the position that we think we need someone in that hole in the middle of midfield, like that Frankie de Jong shaped hole in the middle of the midfield is still where we're really short. And while Amrabat is nowhere near that level because he is world-class, he's still an excellent player. He's an excellent ball carrier. He's very comfortable both progressing the ball, winning it back. He's another one similar in the way to Ericsson where you can pass him the ball and he'll keep it. And he's not going to just give away cheap possession time and time again. Um, while, he, while he's not going to break the lines with passes, he's much better at progressing with the ball. And I thought during the run to the semis with Morocco, and then also I watched more of him uh, last year in the, was that the Europa League? Conference, no, League. The Conference League with uh, Fiorentina. And I thought he was excellent in the final against West Ham. I thought he absolutely bossed Declan Rice. And... I just think that's what we need. We just we just need more presence like that in midfield. We need a bit more drive from deep, whether mm. that's going to be in the form of running with the ball or even just, as I said, if Ananas or Martinez is looking for a pass in the midfield, it's just someone else we can bring in who's going to be comfortable on the ball because we just did not have enough of an option like that. So, yeah, very pleased he's there. Yeah, and I think um, he's commented since that how much of an influence Ten Hag was on him um, where they were together at somewhere. Utrecht. Yeah, yeah. Said he was a big influence on him and also talked about how much he wanted to come to Old Trafford. And I think that was key um, all summer, really, because I think it was fairly evident that he was waiting for us and waiting and waiting and waiting. So fair play to the bloke. Um, mm. I think people are saying, oh, why are no other big clubs in for him? I think some were, to be honest with you, and he just told them to piss off because he's, he's waiting for us. I think this summer alone, I think I've heard there was rumours of Barca, rumours of Bayern, rumours of Liverpool, Liverpool. Even if one of those is true, that's a big club in for him. And there's other clubs as well that were yeah. offered for him and he just, just didn't go anywhere because he was waiting for us. And I assume Ten Hag was in his ear constantly saying, no, you will be coming here. Just let us, let me yeah, smack yeah. these owners around the head. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> Ed, a uh, player that wanted to play for United that much, got to like that? Yeah, definitely. I mean... We we chased Frankie De Jong for a whole season, whole summer, and he clearly didn't want to come. He, even even if you it was successful in getting him here, if you don't want to be here, what's the point? Yeah, you you got you got to have someone who really wants to be here and find out. We'll find out if he's good enough. Uh, 
might be, might not. We'll see. I mean, we thought Sancho might be good enough, and it didn't, I didn't. seem like he uh, necessarily is. But, well, I, but then yeah. I did, I did, I did think Schneiderlin would be excellent. So you know, that I'm not. <laughs> yeah, not not buying a hundred. Some of us thought. Some of us thought Sancho would be good enough. So like, I we'll, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Um, another loan move we made on the last day of the window was Sergio Regulon from Tottenham. A player who I've got to admit I think is absolutely rubbish. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, not not thrilled about it, but I think trying to remove how much how rubbish I think he is, it is an emergency left back loan for a club who can't afford a dime, and it's a free loan, and we can send him back in January. Uh, he's got Premier League experience, all things considered. <laughs> it's fine, is it, Ed? It's fine. It's fine. It's. It's a body. It's a person. He's got a heartbeat. It's a. It's a. I mean, I still think Alvarez could have been the cover, but um, uh, Fernandez. Alvarez. Fernandez. Fernandez. Yeah, I still think he could have been the cover, but uh, it's fine. I just like a player not good enough for Spurs. There you go. Well, Keane's, Roy Keane did say we are the new Spurs, so we really have to uh, embrace that for all it's worth. And uh, I think Regulon <laughs> will really get us there. Uh, he has got a decent cross on him, is what I would say. Um, so, so maybe so you can put one us. on Hoyland's head and all will be forgiven. Uh, but I know, I know the signing that Jamie was most excited about was the Turkish uh, goalkeeper. Um, Jamie, what's his name? Sorry, Jamie. I think it's Alti Bayendia. Yeah, I know you were super excited about that reserve goalkeeper purchase. Oh yeah, I, I, I was. To be honest, I hadn't a clue who we were getting. <laughs> I was reading that it might have been him. It might have been the Benfica goalie. It might have been. I don't know. The, I mean, the interesting I, I thing, though, profess. is he will actually play some games because Anana is going to Cameroon. Yeah. Um, I, I'm happy for Anana. That's a good thing for Anana to me. I, I don't, I'll never I'll never bemoan someone getting to go to play for their country. Play- and I think it was, I mean, especially because yeah. he wasn't playing from kind of kind of a sad reason that falling out with the manager about how they want to play. So the fact that he gets to go back in there um, playing for the AFCON, I think that's great. And we should be just happy for him, really. So, um, so yeah, we will see. Yeah, yeah. we will. We will see Bayendia get a couple of Premier League games at some point. So that'd be interesting. Obviously, going out was Henderson, which was I think fifteen million rising to twenty. Was it? Which I mean, yeah, that, that's right. It's yeah, fine. something like uh, that. It's money in it. Um, the person who hasn't gone is Van der Beek. So he's around, but he's not been registered for the Champions League. Um, I doubt we'll see him at all, um, unless injuries get really bad. I've got to Probably say, alone in January. Yeah, but the, I've got to say I'm not impressed with the way he mocked about that French team. Yeah, so Lorient. do you want to say what the rumours were about that? Yeah, so supposedly what's happened is they were trying to get him four weeks ago, five weeks ago, made an offer, United accepted it, and Van de Beek basically made it clear I'm not going there and didn't even pick up the phone. So when Laurent were oh. actually like calling his agent, calling him, trying to sort out negotiations, trying to sort out a move. He just refused to go right up until, what, two days before the window shut? And then he's like, okay, yeah, I'll speak to them. And quite (laughs) rightly, Laurie, on principle, said, no, you're not coming here now. Yeah. Like, not interested, mate. And I I don't understand why, even, never mind the fact it's football, why would you behave like that from a business point of view? Like, that just doesn't make sense. Like, if somebody's wanting to speak to you, just... Have the decency to just negotiate. If you don't want to go there, fine, but tell them that. Danny van der Beek obviously that. thinks he's a Champions League quality player. Uh, that's why he's that's oh, why he's yeah. not in our Champions League squad. Mm. Uh, so, Ed, uh, quickly, what what would y'all be your highlight of the window and your low light, and what's the score of for the window out of ten? Um, 
Ooh, highlight looking back is probably Onana. Unfortunately, not unfortunately, but like I don't really rate Mount. If I'm honest, I'm ha- I'm happy to see see if it if it goes well. But no, um, I'd probably say low light is keeping Maguire. <laughs> nothing. Well, I say nothing against the guy. Very much against the guy. Um, and then probably about a seven in the end because of the la- because of the last. That's day deals, but you know, I I think we need a striker, and we definitely need cover for Casemiro, and I don't know whether Amrabat provides that um, as a like for like sort of choice. Fair enough, but seven out of ten is pretty positive in the overall. Jamie, where are you at? Same question. Yeah. Highlight, low light. Let's go. Um, I'll go for a different highlight. I'll go Hoyland. Just I know we're only going off of a very very small sample size, but I think. Already in 20 minutes against Arsenal away, I think he's shown what he can bring. I think he's shown we're going to have a far more positive threat up front. Somebody that actually can play as a forward. He's got electric pace as well, which is going to be good on the transition, so I'll go for him. The low light, I'm really disappointed they didn't get either Pavard or Tadebo, especially Pavard for me. i I was really excited about that prospect and to not get him was really quite disappointing. Uh, For me about Pavard though, is he, he? I think he just wanted any big club. Well, but he, but he like, still wanted to come. If he wanted any big club, but, he wanted to come still to wanted us. To so. come. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, true, and, true. And I know that when the chance of that, for whatever it was, that fortnight where that was kind of looked like it was going to happen, he didn't negotiate with anyone else. And he kind of told yeah. his agent that. It was only when it then became made clear we weren't going to get rid of Maguire. Hmm. And he's then just went, all right, I just need that. I want out of here. I'm going wherever. Um, so score out of 10, I'd probably go a six. Maybe, no, nah, five and a half out of 10. I know we eventually got people in at the end, but I just, I don't think that's great. I'm not going to class the left-back thing like that because injuries happen, but the other three signings happen on the last day of the window. That's That's... Poor organisation, that. And after a really promising start, I'm, I'm disappointed in the window, to be honest. Mm, I think I'd go, I would go three or four out of ten, personally. I don't think it's been a good window. It started <sighs> off really well. Um, yeah. I thought, I'm happy with Anana. Personally, I would have preferred Raya just because he was a bit cheaper, <laughs> to be honest, and we had no money. And uh, yeah. that's the only reason, really. But I'm happy with Anana. I think he's going to be very good. I Like Jamie, I think Hoyland. Actually, at first, I was thinking that's a massive overpay. But if you actually look at it, what people have other people what other people have been paying for players, the fact that he's a striker. I mean, how much did that City lad go for? Well, that's good, that's a good Palmer. point. The last one to Chelsea. Palmer went Palmer went for forty five million. Palmer, so 45. In that world where Palmer is forty five million, or that even that even James Trafford is twenty million. Like you're actually paying for a mm. premium striker. Oh, sorry, a premium position by paying for a lad who's 20 years old. He's actually scored goals in a top league. I actually don't think that's a, a bad deal at all for us. Uh, so I'm happy. So, no, but I, mean, I, think, I don't think it'll, yeah. I think it'll so, end up being so really that, good. Actually. I would agree with Jamie. That's the highlight. And actually, I'm really keen on Amrabat. I wanted him for a while. Um, yeah. As soon as I heard our name linked to him, I was like, yep, yeah, that's the one. It is a lot based on that World Cup performances, I have to say. And it's, I know it's bad to base things on World Cup performances because it's a completely different thing. But I also, like Jamie, watched some of the Conference League games and I thought he was really good. So I think he'll be good for us. Low light for me, I mean, it's, it's hard to look past that Maguire one, but I would say I'm also, I've never, I have never been keen on Mason Mount. 
Um, there are many, many posts on the Red Cafe that you, if I start turning around and said, I've always rated him, someone could turn around and say, actually, look what you said here. And I'll be like, well, that's, you've got me there. <laughs> I just I just think 55 million is a crazy amount of money to spend on a player who we didn't really need, who is out of contract next year. And we know for a fact that Chelsea want to sell their homegrown youngsters because it's pure profit on their FFP books. We know that. We know that they're happy to sell yeah. those players for pure profit because then they can buy, spend 700 million on three shit players. Um, we knew that and we give them 55 million quid anyway and I just, I just don't get that. I just I just don't get that math to me. But the, I guess the silver lining there is we, uh, Ten Hag really wanted him when we backed the manager. So silver lining, I guess. But I, I would say in defense of sort of some of the business, Amrabat to me seemed like it was done. Done in June. We were we told him we were going to get him, and it was just a a case mm. of balancing the books, uh, and that's why it ended up being a loan. Like if if Maguire had gone, if McTominay had gone, yeah, I just I in. just feel like after the first after the first three signings, everything's been handled shoddily in this window. Yeah, um, really. And it's it's a lot down to FFP, obviously, a lot down to Maguire not wanting to go, um, which was a bit out of the club's control. But then also this stuff like obviously the Greenwood situation was handled dreadfully. And I mean, I think, and I think we can all agree on this. Ten Hag has budgeted for him to be in his squad this year yeah, as a striker, stroke winger, and clearly. he doesn't have that. And currently, now that means we are relying on Anthony Martial, Mister Traffic Cone, to be our second striker, and that is a that is a tragic prospect. Yeah, it's criminal that to be going into another season and he's the second striker. I I, I can't believe could, we're could in be worse, Jamie. Could be our third striker. So. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, he was for a bit, but yeah, thankfully. Well, luckily not, no. we were playing a lad in uh, pre-season as a false nine. He's called Jaden Sancho. He's a, uh, I think the the manager rates him apparently. <laughs> so, uh, so that, that that'll work out we'll quite see. well. Um, we haven't got a game now for two weeks where we have an international break. Yeah. Which I don't know. I'd say after you lose, you kind of want to play again straight away to win. But we've got so many injuries that actually two weeks off is probably not bad. Um, so. We always lose well, before yeah. international breaks as well. We have but, to I mean, stew on we've got it so many injuries that you'd think, actually, yeah, give us two weeks to get everyone back, please. Um, yeah. We come back to Brighton at home. Huge game. Brighton, no, t- I mean, apart game. from when West Ham beat them, weirdly, after having like 2% possession. Uh, Brighton have started looking very much like Brighton. Um, Ferguson the other day scoring a hatch against Newcastle and then pretty much dominated Newcastle in that whole game. Um, it's going to be, obviously, a tough game. Brighton beat us last year at Old Trafford. Uh, last team to beat us, last last English team to beat us at Old Trafford as yeah, well. Yeah, last, last team to beat well, us at Old Trafford. Sevilla yeah. did. But... I don't think well, we've yeah. lost in 30, 30 yeah, games no, I mean, in the home, league in Old Trafford. We're excellent and this will be a good test for us to see how we've come yeah. from this time last year. Really, we're looking at, we should be looking at going on a decent run in the league. We've got Brighton, we've got Burnley, we've got Palace, we've got Brentford, Sheffield United away and then we're at home to City. So before that City game, we should go on a decent run here. Do you expect us to do it, Jamie? I do expect us to pick up, yeah. And 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 that and yeah, that's kind of going off of what I said after the Arsenal game. I do expect the fact that Hoyland will now be, I would imagine, first choice number nine. I expect Amrabat to come in. I expect, therefore, the midfield to get better. I actually think, depending on what happens with Anthony... I'd like to see Polistri get a run at right wing or even Garnacho. And I think even just one of those changes just, just gives you a little bit more guile, a little bit more 
mm. forward momentum. I agree on just having a bit of time off to try and get some people back. I think Lindelof will be okay. I think McTominay will be available. I think Martinez will be fine. So as long as they come back fine, I, I, that's that's comfortable. I just hope that over this international break there isn't more injuries. Um, I do. I did also see that apparently Ferguson's not going to be fit for the well, United he's not, he's, game. He pulled out of the Ireland he's squad. Missing. But I imagine, I reckon he'll be fit. For, I, I, I. So there's a thing apparently where if he plays one more game for Ireland, he definitely can't be called up for England. Ah, uh, right, okay. But if he so, doesn't, so he's going to be, he, the, so he's going to be the next Grealish slash Rice. Rice. But the thing is, I mean, Ferguson is very, he's very Irish. Yeah. Like when you hear, he's very Irish. So Surely he's not going to play be, for England. That'll be like, it'd be like, it'd it, be like Owen Morgan playing for yeah, England. I was going to say it'd be like Owen Morgan. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Um, also, Jamie, just quickly for you, Scotland versus England. Can't wait. Heritage Heritage Cup, yeah. whatever that is. Uh, it's because this is the 150th anniversary of the first meeting between Scotland v England. Don't worry, Harry Kane's going to turn up and score a hat-trick. And speaking of Harry Kane, that's segued brilliantly onto Bayern Munich being in our Champions League group, mm. um, along with Galatasaray and Copenhagen. We haven't got a lot of time here, but Ed, quickly on that group, happy with it? Yeah, Bayern Munich is the toughest one, but I think I think I love games against Bayern Munich to be honest. So um, I think it's a perfect group. Yeah, that's right, a bit rubbish now. Um, Copenhagen out great, and you got one big team. Brilliant. We should yeah. go through second. Yeah, and we if should. we don't, then that's we don't deserve to be in the Champions League. So um, we should go. We could through go through first actually because our last game is against Bayern Munich at home, which is a bit annoying because it might be nothing riding. There might be nothing riding on it, but also it might be like a game where whoever wins goes top. I did also so, read that uh, Rafa Honigstein said that while they're excellent going forward still, Bayern Munich, especially having Kane and Sane and the like, they're not very happy at the recruitment window either. Uh, they didn't get Paulinia on the last day of the window. Yeah, that would be massive no, for I heard. And, massive uh, for them. He's even, there's pictures somewhere of him in a Bayern Munich yeah, shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, a shame, it's a shame for the player, but th- that leaves them definitely short in midfield. And I know they were looking to try and get Pavard replaced, and they didn't do that either. So at both right-back and at centre-back, they were a bit short as well. So mm. while they will be absolutely lethal going forward, because they always are, especially with Kane, there is a bit of a chance, because they aren't the strongest in midfield yeah. and in defence now. Probably better off to play them here, and then we can't favour them in the round 16, because yeah. they'll probably reinforce by then. Yeah, so, probably, um, yeah. That, yeah. So that'll do it for this week, uh, this week's United Hour. We'll probably be back after the Brighton game uh, in two weeks' time. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Night trips. Thank you for listening to United Hour. Remember to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at United underscore Hour. Please take the time to leave a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. United Hour is brought to you by the Sports Social Network and our theme song is by Ancient Feelings. To get in touch, please email unitedhour at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.